0: Presenting Telltales, Dakota Life and Stories, a collection of narratives of shared personal experiences of those who live on the North Dakota Plains. In this episode, we hear from citizens of the Standing Rock Nation who share insights on Lakota music and culture as part of the Densmore Repatriation Project an effort to return recordings of stories and songs made by Francis Densmore in the Dakotas in 1911. Francis Densmore was born in Red Wing, Minnesota in 1867. During her long career as an ethnomusicologist, Densmore traveled all over the United States recording thousands of Native American songs and stories. She later donated this collection to the Library of Congress. In 1911, Densmore made her first trip to the Dakotas. The late Kevin Locke talks about finding these recordings.
1: I was uh, I was going to school in, in uh, Vermilion, USD, and uh, I was just looking through some of the, uh, at the library there, at the uh, at the uh, USD library. I looked at, I was looking in that section, they've got quite a, lo- a large section of, um, Research material for uh, American Indian studies. So I was looking through there and they, I think they have a complete collection of the, uh, from the uh, Bureau of American Ethnology. And I was looking there and I saw like the thickest one there was the one, Teton Sioux Music. But I, you know, I looked at, I looked at, I think I looked at quite a few of them, just looked them over. But this one was so fascinating. And I kept checking it out and checking it out because it was just fascinating to read this, to see all of the, the family names from Standing Rock, you know, basically everybody from Standing Rock is has an ancestor in this book. And this it's just an amazing book. And so then I uh, i found out that um, it was out of print back then, around 1976, it was out of print. So that's why I kept checking it out <laughs> from, uh, from the library there. Of course, it was an original edition, but they, it was still on the loan library. It wasn't restricted at all. So I just kept checking it out. Because it was like my companion, that little book there. I just enjoyed reading it so much. Because you know, it's got all—it's so many really interesting anecdotes, you know, that are just included. It's really fantastic resource. I decided to uh, start to write to the Library of Congress to find out where the collection was. I finally was able to locate somebody there at at the Library of Congress, and uh, we requested copies of as uh, of as much as we could get of the recordings. They sent that all out. It was all in cassettes, cassette recordings. And then when we got this cassette recordings, started listening to them, it was just you couldn't you couldn't listen to it. It was
0: so messed up. Locke then took the tapes to a friend, David Swenson, who was a recording engineer and asked for his assistance in restoring the sound. After months of working with the tapes, Swenson discovered that the entire collection had been catalogued at a speed that was approximately 11% too slow. Corrections were made, and a fresh copy was given to Locke, who then shared it with his friend Virgil Taken Alive.
2: I'll tell you, I've read Densmore's book extensively twice. You're making me remember some of the things that I had learned from re- reading Densmore. And the reason why I got interested in Densmore was because a friend of mine, Kevin Locke, had, had said, here, you need to read this. And this is um, probably around 84, 85. And also, he gave me cassette copies. And uh, being able to transcribe those, which I did, I had to use the tapes and the book and because of my knowledge of the language and my interest in the song. But that's how my interest in Densmore came. And then uh, seeing some of the names and knowing that she had recorded a lot of them in Standing Rock during the early 1900s when basically we had gone underground with them. So in, in looking at the writings in there and how they talked about,
0: should we share these? Densmore needed approval to begin recording these songs, and it was finally given. She then set up her Columbia Graphophone wax cylinder recorder and began to record songs. One of her singers, a man named Red Weasel, offered a prayer prior to singing his first song. In his prayer, he acknowledged that the recordings they were doing then were intended for future listeners. Tribal member Sissy Goodhouse explains.
3: May our voices be heard at the future goal you have prepared for us. He's looking at the future generations. You know, in our prayers, we pray for those yet to come. And this is what he was doing. Because we came to a time when our buffalo was taken, when our ways of life were changing. So they were making a way to live. And with these songs... You know, I um, I heard my grandfathers and a grandmother did some recordings, but before they did, the grandmother, she prayed, she said a prayer that they were going to try to be able to share truthfully, I guess is how they would say it, and that's what I heard a lot, so they could tell it in a way that we understand and that our, our younger people would be able to understand.
0: Tribal elder Terry Yellowfat acknowledges the importance of Densmore's work in helping to preserve a culture that at that time was severely oppressed. I think it was a major part of helping
2: us maintain our culture. And when I say culture, I, I include music with that, because I think that was part of her, her main responsibility that she wanted was the music, but you can't separate the two. And, and I think she realized that soon enough, once she went down there to, to record, that was her intent, that this is their culture. It's that you can't separate them.
0: Produced in partnership with Dakota Legacy, This project is supported in part by a grant from the North Dakota Council on the Arts, which receives funding from the North Dakota State Legislature and the National Endowment for the Arts.